Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my friends. Dana here. Welcome to Words That Move Me. Ooh, have I got a treat for you today. I have. Uh, our guest today is Brian Friedman, a man who truly needs no introduction, and also a man who champions absolute professionalism. So for the sake of due diligence and professionalism, I will tell you, even though you already know, that Brian Friedman is a director, creative director, producer, choreographer, educator, and yes, above all else, a dancer. And I mean, one of, one of the key figures in my becoming a professional uh, in this world, a professional dance type, I will I will call it. Uh, Brian's been nominated for four MTV VMAs, two music video production awards, and five American Choreography Awards. He's been doing this industry thing for 30-ish years, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so he's spent a whole lot of time on both, <laughs> inside joke, both, do you say both or both? Or both? How do you pronounce both? He pronounced both. I digress. He's been on both sides of the audition table more than anyone I can imagine. Uh, so today we are closing out Audition August with some tips, tricks, techniques, and a whole lot of stories. But first, let's do some wins. I feel like I have a lot to celebrate right now. Uh, my mom is in the next room over. She's in town. We're going to see Moulin Rouge tonight. I'm going to Canada with my seaweed sisters. Uh, I, I Honestly, I had such a ball just now recording this episode with Brian, so that is certainly a win. Oh, and we have submitted Words That Move Me to the Signal Awards, which are the awards that celebrate excellence in podcasts. So I'm super stoked about that. Uh, we are hoping, we are hoping, hmm, <laughs> we are hoping for a win, obviously. Um, actually, Brian has a lot of good, good, good to say about winning and not winning. So I will keep it moving. Um, now it's your turn. What's going well in your world? Tell me everything. Now, let's get into this. I initially invited Brian to be our guest this week because I wanted to hear all about his his many experiences on both sides of, of the audition table. Um, do we always call it a table? I don't know. Audition, on the casting couch? Audition table? I don't know what it is. Anyways, I, I thought he would be a great person to speak on specifically that. But leave it to Brian to over-deliver, because yes, we do go in on auditions, 
and you'll get an idea for what he loves and what he does not love um, from the perspective of the auditor. Uh, but we also dig into kind of wider concepts of competition. Um, he defines professionalism in a wonderful way. And uh, he talks a bit about what he thinks is happening to professionalism today. Uh, we talk about what makes us choke and what keeps us moving, what's lighting us up even after all of these years of doing these things. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited to share this conversation with Brian. So here you go. Enjoy the one, the only, the truly singular Brian Friedman. Brian Friedman, welcome to the podcast. What the heck? Holy smokes. Hi, Dana Wilson. Oh, hi. This is wild because the podcast is about navigating creative careers. And you played such a huge part in my like early my transition into professional dancer person. So this is long overdue. I'm so grateful to have mm -hmm. you here on the podcast, but also like in my life as a person that I still adore and admire and laugh at so hard because you just have a way <laughs> of cracking me up. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Introduce yourself. Tell everybody what you want us to know about you. I'm Brian Friedman. I have been in this dance realm for what feels like an eternity. I've bridged all of the gaps in the dance world. Uh, I started out as a dancer, worked my way through being an assistant choreographer, became a choreographer, worked into creative direction, into directing, into producing for television and stage. And uh, all the while, still go back to the dance roots. No matter what I'm doing, I feel like dance is the heartbeat and the pulse. And it's what keeps me ticking. And it's what keeps me young. Ooh, you heard it here first, people. That is the elixir of life. It truly is. If you stop, then you turn to concrete. That's what I believe. Uh, you've got to stay in it if you want to win it. Ow. Ow. Get you some dance and stay looking 35 forever. Except for, I don't even think you look 35. Uh, okay, <laughs> so I started this month, which is August, if you're listening to this at its release. I started the month of August with my uh, an episode about my audition ethos, sort of the way my uh, my thoughts about auditions have evolved and started to really serve me instead of really annoy me. Um, and I think I'd be hard-pressed to find a, a person in this world more audition-experienced on both sides of the table uh, than you. So let's talk auditions, tips, tricks, stories, um, victories, losses, bring it all. Uh, in general, I kind of try to shy away from advice personally, because as you know, because you are one, our world is full of exceptions. Uh, so I don't... I don't typically yeah. do the do's and don'ts, but are there any like red flags for you? Like, do not ever do this in an audition. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of agree that do's and don'ts are on a per person basis. What one person loves, another person might not. So I would hate to tell someone do this and they show up and do that and it doesn't serve them. So I know I have my own do's and don'ts. Oh, um, hit me please. I have to know. Just, when dancers audition for me, or when anyone auditions for me, I'm not a fan of paper. 
I just believe that we should be in a sustainable society and we should not be throwing around headshots and resumes when we can look online and see all of this. So I'm not a fan of that world, but when they do show up with them in hand, you know, say the client really wants them. I don't like when they're not stapled together on all four corners. I, I believe that you don't want papers flopping around. No flapping, no flapping. Yeah. No flapping. You should also have your papers be the same size. You don't want your resume to be larger than your headshot or your Z card. Um, so those are some pet peeves. I also, I'm a strange one like this. I like for their height to be on the front just because you're trying to get this puzzle piece together sometimes when you're casting. And that is pertinent information that you don't want to have to struggle to find. Um, mm -hmm. Also looking like your picture is a good idea. Mm. I, I don't um, love when I'm staring at someone and then I'm looking at their picture and I can't tell if it's the same person. I just mm -hmm. believe that, you know, whoever you're selling me today needs to be who's on that picture and vice yes. versa. Yes. So those are some of my technical don'ts and do's when it comes to the audition process. But for me, it's just about showing up and being your authentic self and being someone who you want to have in the room if you cast them. So I think mm -hmm. personality plays a big role, personality and professionalism. And of mm -hmm. course, talent plays a huge role. But all of those things together, it's like the perfect storm for yeah. someone who I would want to cast. Brilliant mm -hmm. talent, great personality. Mm -hmm. And so professional. The most professional. So here's a question that I have my own couple answers to, but how do you, or what does professionalism look like for you physically? Like if I was a fly on the wall of an audition room, how would I tell the difference between a professional person and a not professional person? I truly believe it's how you carry yourself from the second you leave home that day mm -hmm. for the audition what your mindset is, what you're manifesting into the day, into the world. Um, confidence is key. Someone who walks with a sense of self-worth, but not arrogance. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, a fine line to balance. Mm -hmm. But it starts when they show up, how they greet the people at check-in. Are mm -hmm. they smiling? Are they talkative? Are they uh, using manners? how they enter into the room when they walk in. Can you feel their brightness and their energy? Uh, those are all things that are professional to me, not talking when you're not supposed to be talking. You don't ever want to be that person who's in like a cackle on the side at the wrong time. Oh, I've been that person. Is that so you? Well, it has <laughs> been. It is not, uh, it, it is, does not happen often, but I am known yeah. to cackle because I think things are funny. And I yes. certainly was not always this way. There were, there was probably a good 10 years of my life where I could not muster a smile, let alone a laugh in an audition. I was so stressed out. Um, I, I think I, that, you know, worked on that, but the warmth, the warmth and the fun, it, it can be there. I mean, I was the type of person who was very, I don't want to say loud, but you would know that I was in the room if yes. I was auditioning. Yes, and presence you have known. to read the room. You have to know who it is that you're auditioning for. You have to be able to take those cues, those social cues and the business social cues and know whether it is a room that is accepting of noise or is yeah. not going to be welcoming your uh, 
banter with your yeah. friends because it's fun. I, I loved auditioning and I loved showing up and seeing all of my friends and rooting each other on as we were dancing. And to me, that's that's what I love about dancers. And I say I like to have people in the room who I want to be around. I mm-hmm. think that that camaraderie and that support for one another, that goes into professionalism uh, for me just because it shows that they're not there for them and it's not um, cutthroat. And I don't right. think it needs to be cutthroat. And I don't want my rehearsals ever to feel cutthroat. I want it to feel like we are working to the same goal. Because it takes a village, so you need a team player. If you were casting 100%. a solo gig for a solo thing, then maybe you could hire that person who was out for themselves 100% of the time. But in this world where everything requires collaboration, you need a yeah. team player. And you can you literally can be auditioning that quality you are auditioning that quality while you're watching a room go in groups and while you're making cuts. And yeah, I, I love looking for personality happen in the room while I'm holding auditions. Yeah. Um, and professionalism also to me is how they take corrections as you're in the process. You know, if I say, okay, everyone step to the right and there are people that go and do something else or, Oh, I'm going to do this instead. I just, that's where I'm scanning the room to see who can follow directions because following directions is more important than dancing for me on a gig. If you can't follow simple directions like show up on time, like bring the proper things with you to rehearsal, all mm-hmm. of those things. If you can't do that, then you can't dance for me. Even if you're the best dancer on the mm-hmm. planet, um, no one wants to be around someone who is not accountable, <laughs> much less pay someone. I'm not going right. to pay you to be terrible. <laughs> no, no, no. Or or enforce that behavior by rewarding you the gig and showing other right. people that that's what get, gets rewarded. Say it. That's confusing, right? Like that's like to, to people on the outside looking in, they're like, okay, if that's what books it, then well, I guess yeah. I'll try that. And then we have a completely unorganized community. <laughs> and then we do because there are choreographers now who no. Dear me, please don't let me start spilling. (laughs) But there are choreographers who are not properly trained and professional, and they are running camps Mm. poorly, and Mm. they are breeding bad etiquette and bad manners and unprofessional work environments. And Mm. It's just a shame because now these younger dancers who are coming up under people who really aren't equipped to guide them and nurture them and mentor their journeys uh, mm-hmm. don't know any better. So then they'll walk into someone professional's room and potentially get fired uh, when they just hadn't learned the correct way to handle themselves at work. We're hoping they learn somehow eventually. But this does beg the question, and I have to ask because I love I'm a middle I'm a middle child. Um, I am wondering, I kind of answered it for myself already. I'm wondering if all professional gigs call for professionalism. No. Some of them don't. Some of them call for you to be X kind of vibe. And it's okay if you're late. And we make it, I mean, I've been on very high profile Uh gigs where it was, it was kind of common like and accepted and not encouraged ever, but very much acceptable to be like under the influence of 
certain yeah. mind altering drugs during rehearsal. Like I can say, yes. I think, I think what we're getting at is like, everybody has a different idea of what professionalism is and what the standard well, that's is. Not professional. Right. <laughs> that is I, unprofessional. I, totally and happen to agree. <laughs> there are some gigs, yes, that call for a little bit of rowdy stuff, but I truly believe that you can deliver that when it needs to be delivered and still mm -hmm. be professional at your mm -hmm. gig. But yeah, yeah, I've been on those gigs too. And God bless them. I've ran for the hills because that's just not the type of work environment that I want to work in. I don't, I don't thrive there. I don't thrive there. No. And I think that, you know, we're at this interesting cross section where not only is there this changing of the guard in terms of who is running the show, but there is mm. also a sense of activism and entitlement about mm what people deserve. And I think if you are going to ask for professional recognition rates and so on and so on, that you should be behaving like one. You don't get to have Say your cake it. and eat it too. <laughs> Say it. Yeah. So that's, that's where we're at, I think. Yeah. I think we're on the same page. I think, yeah, I see those references. Mm -hmm. um, I want to back up a little bit. You mentioned a couple things that I love to talk about. Um, and I talked a little bit in my early August episode, uh, self-confidence. I have an interest. I have a, I have a take on it. Self-confidence is not over overconfidence, overconfidence and arrogance are kind of brothers in my mind. Arrogance mm -hmm. says I'm better than you. And confidence says I'm good. Like, I'm really good, yep. and you can be really good, and they can be really good, and I'm good, and you're good, and that's good. But arrogance says, I'm I'm the best. And all that it takes for that person's world to be completely shattered is one person better than them that rattles their whole foundation and the world comes <laughs> falling down. So I don't know why you would choose that version, no. <laughs> because there is someone it's... better than you. It's a wild, It's a wild thing, but I have seen it. And been taken by it. Like I, you know, in the in the freestyle world, in the battle mentality, it's almost required that you think I'm better than you. Like to yeah. enter a battle situation, you have to think I'm better than you. Almost. I don't know. Because I don't, there's it's only not one like winner. that's what I do all the time. But there's one winner. Exactly. Right. Um, so I think arrogance is definitely not self-confidence. And I draw the line between overconfidence and self-confidence. And arrogance, if you're following my flow chart. Yeah. Podcasts, podcasts are hard sometimes. Um, right. I think that, you, I I need think that you need a visual. I need totally. your PDF up right now. <laughs> I need a PowerPoint. <laughs> um, I think that overconfidence shows up as an action, like in, in the walk, in the loud talking, in the disrespecting other people. It's an action. It's not a characteristic. It's a behavior. It's like, an, it's like mm. a thing that my body does as a result of feeling self-doubt. I think yeah. it's the people who are the most insecure who act that loud. So what I like to encourage of of listeners and of people, peers, and myself is that you can believe you're good and other people can be good. And from that place, approaching an audition is actually kind of lovely. It's fun. Like you mentioned, like watching your friends dancing in normal pre people clothes instead of our sweatpants and tattered ass Like it is yeah. such so much better than a movie or like going out to dinner it's thrilling to no end i love them it was my favorite 
favorite part of my dance journey was auditioning. And I remember so many friends of mine would ask me why I loved auditioning so much. (laughs) And it was just my way of showing up and being able to do what it is that I love to do, A, and what I knew I was born to do. And mm-hmm. when I would go into a room, I someone gave me this advice early in my career. They said, they need you. Mm-hmm. You don't need them. And it just switched the perspective. And I was like, wow, I'm coming in here and I'm just showing you what it is that I can do. And you really need people. And I mm-hmm. have that. So mm-hmm. I, I can be your person. <laughs> it was that. just that easy. And then I Total was like, flip. I just get to show up and learn the choreography and dance. And then they're going to love it because mm-hmm. I'm loving it. <laughs> and it was so simple, just yeah. so basic and pure. And mm-hmm. it it worked and I loved it. And it never got funky for me. And there was, of course, auditions that I wouldn't book. But I would still be like, I killed it today. <laughs> Yay. You didn't make it Let's mean you go were out bad. for drinks. No, mm-hmm. it wasn't about that. Just because you can't win everything. You're not everyone's cup of tea. Everyone yeah. likes different things. And I think that goes down to the whole, the best. There is no the best. Everyone's great. And I never had that mentality. I remember when I was competing in dance when I was a little kid. And my mom, bless her, she'd be like when I wouldn't win, you're better than them. And I'm like, mom, no, I'm not. They're great. Like I, it's all good. I don't care. My dance teacher never told us we had to win. It was never mm. about winning. Mm. It was, did you have fun when you were on stage? Did you perform? You loved it? Okay, great. That's it. Maybe mm-hmm. that was a, a problem and a fault because so many kids are taught to win, but mm. it worked for me. Yeah. And I I tell people this all the time that compete in the dance world. I see them shatter after Mm -hmm. nationals when they don't win and the teacher gets mad and we're never coming back. And I'm like, wow, you really missed the point there, didn't you? Right. And this isn't going to last very long if that's what happens. And if it's about winning, maybe just look at what won and say, huh, can I grow as an artist? Maybe I can explore something different. Maybe I can evolve. Maybe I can just do a little more if you want to win so bad. But if you don't care about winning, it takes so much pressure off of everything. Mm -hmm. Same thing back to auditions. It just takes the pressure off of it. Of course, everyone wants to book the job, but Mm -hmm. you can't book every job. That's unrealistic. Yeah, Yeah. You have to set goals that are possible. My kind of the equivalent of your story about having the flip about they want me my similar pressure release moment was, uh, I, I don't remember who this came from or where I latched onto it, but the idea of being memorable instead of perfect. When you, mm. when you go into each audition thinking, I have to be it, you know, I've got to be the, the right kind of quote unquote urban or the right kind of girl <laughs> next door or the right kind of right now I'm getting all the young mom. Brian, it's hysterical, like young zombie mom, young car mom, (laughs) young grocery shopping mom, all the young mom. Um, Well, uh, it's better than getting a young grandfather. Is that what's happening? Well, that's where I am. I'm old enough to be a grandfather now, so yes. Okay, let's go. Um, Anyways, though, instead of trying to be the perfect young vampire mom, I go in (laughs) with the objective of being memorable. 
all of the casting directors and the choreographers will be working on a different gig next week anyways. So going in with the objective of being the perfect mm. one thing is the, the it's like threading a needle. The eye is so small. But if, if the objective is to be memorable, then yeah. there's so much space to be yourself. And that's like you, like you said, that's what people want to see is you. They want to find the you. Um, yeah. We're rooting when we're behind that table. Oh yeah. You want table, them to win. We're rooting for you. We want everyone to win. I, I just, this takes me back to a zoom casting that I did last month for a commercial and mm -hmm. we were giving all of the people notes on this uh, zoom and you see them just doubting themselves and we're there, we're clapping for you. We're your biggest champion. We want yeah. you to succeed. And we see that you're literally the only person in your way. Mm. It's just, <laughs> if everyone could just realize that, it would be incredible, the talent that could be unlocked. Mm -hmm. I want to go backwards again, because you mentioned something that I think is another thing that stands in people's way. Like, it's a part of them that stands in their way. And it's their experience of... Uh, a bad salesperson. And you mentioned earlier, like you have to know what you're selling. You have to know what you're showing up and, and, and selling. And I think so many people have had bad experiences with pushy salespeople that we're afraid of putting, of really putting ourselves forward. So I like to, before any audition situations, think about helpful salespeople who understand the product. <laughs> They're like, actually, no, that other one would be better for you. Go ahead and take that one. There's also a lot of freedom there is like being okay that this might not be the one and being knowledgeable about the thing, interested in helping the client or the, the whoever's shopping with you and allowing them to go the other way. If, if they actually need four wheel drive, like go buy a different car. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that always feels so good to me, but I know the... Like for, for a lot of dancers who got into this because they don't want to be a, a salesperson. They want to be an artist. They want to be a kinetic, moving, like, thing in the world that creates emotion. They don't want to create flow charts and sales and things like that. Like, I get why we avoid that. But if you can, if you can channel that helpful salesperson, the ones that don't give you the heebie-jeebies, you're so much better off. Because yeah. you do have to know what what you're what you're selling what you're selling yeah no, if you want to get paid fully. it would it would help <laughs> there's um i just remember when i was a kid there was one of my teachers rhonda miller and mm. she used to say it's called show business show is only half of it the other half is business and i remember hearing this when i was a little kid and just thinking you're right this is my job this isn't some frivolous art that I can just throw around. I mm -hmm. have to think of this as my business because this is my livelihood. And I understand the artists that are just so deep in their art and they, they can't mix the two. Um, but my advice is just remember that it's also your job. <laughs> you know, you've got to hard draw the line. Today, hard truths. <laughs> you, you have to draw the line and know where it is. And I think that, then you have to figure out that balance so that the business doesn't eat your art alive mm -hmm. and you can still keep your passion and your, your truth and your honesty in its art, uh, which is mm -hmm. very difficult.
You know, it's yeah. not easy. But we chose yeah. this for our occupation. And you know, we're and good if at you don't balancing. It, like yeah. naturally, we're good at finding balance. Naturally. This is what we do. It's it's how we do it. Like I it's so funny every time people ask me, like, how do you balance like work life with your home life or you know, passion projects with industry stuff? And I'm like, the same way I balance in a pirouette. <laughs> By trying exactly. and falling and correcting and trying again and making tiny, tiny adjustments and then trying again. And then as soon as I have mm -hmm. it, somebody tells me I have to wear a different shoe or they lay Marley yeah. down and then you have to <laughs> recorrect all over again. But that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, we're so Truly. good at it. Pat's cell phone back. Exactly. Um, Okay, I want I want some stories. I would love to hear some outstanding moments from your life, either holding auditions or auditioning. What, what's your most memorable audition experience? Um, well, I just have to get this one out of the way. One of my memorable auditionees was you. And it's when you Justin auditioned Bieber? for me for Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah. And you decided, I told everyone that they had to come into the audition in black and white in their own fashion, their own style. And yes. you showed up dressed as a mime. Yes. And correct. I hadn't even done the creative yet for the performance. We just knew we were looking for dancers. And uh, I was so wowed by your choice. <laughs> that I ended up writing you into the treatment. And I wow. cast another dancer to be your twin opposite Kylie. mime. Yeah. yeah, Kylie Bright. And it was just like such a, a good lesson for dancers to not think that they have to be someone else, that you mm -hmm. can make your own choice and be acknowledged and rewarded for that right. choice. And that it could inspire to book someone else a job. You know, cool. Kylie mm -hmm. may not have been right for this had you not walked in the room looking like that. So well, it's just one of those lessons to always be you authentically. Wow. Yeah, that's such a, a good example of not trying to fit the thing being rewarding. And if somebody had told me always wear exactly what they say in the breakdown, then I wouldn't have done that. But I, I think I right. was at a place by that point where I was like, ugh. Actually, that was true story. <laughs> that was the second time I auditioned as a mime and booked it. Really? Who know, was the first? You know Rhapsody no. James. Okay. So Rhapsody put out a, I, I'm pretty sure it was a cattle call for Sirens. Okay. And she said, you know, we're all black, body conscious, looking for sexy women, which especially at that time was not what I led with. <laughs> I right. led with like, I don't know. I want to see, I want to say like something in between like a <laughs> little boy and grandma, like somewhere in there, there I'm was me, <laughs> <laughs> but definitely not sexy woman. So I knew that that was not like, I could imagine everybody in their fishnets and like tiny ass bikini bras yeah. and G strings. And I was like, Ooh, I can't hang in that, in that ring. Like that's, I'll get eaten alive. So I knew I needed a thing. And then I, I kept reading the breakdown and it did say, we're, we're looking to replace existing characters and create new characters. Mm. And I was like, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I, and what that I hear is. Yeah. Totally. When you say that, I hear Dana wear whatever you want. 
Um, and I did. I, I was living at the time with a makeup artist. And I was like, what is like the opposite of wearing all black? I could wear all white. I, oh my God, I could paint my face white. I could be a clown. And then I was like, uh, clown's kind of creepy. Mime's slightly less creepy. <laughs> Let's go with that. Oh my God. And what if my like mime weapons created real like blood or sparks or like in my in my head the production value of the show was like billion dollars and of i was course. like I, I i do this with my i do this with my mime katana and then red blood splatters up on the back or i pull this grenade out and throw it and then all the bodies just you know respond like what if my mime tools were real wow. and i asked marty about this because he came to watch that audition that day People were going for blood in the freestyle before and after the... Oh, also, I showed up slightly late, unintentional, and I did not speak the entire audition. Once the face... Actually, even... Like you said, actually, even while I drove there, as soon as my white face paint went on, I did not speak. I even had questions that I couldn't ask because silence. I love that people going for blood and all I had to do was stand on a fake, uh, I leaned up against a fake wall and smoked a fake cigarette and conserved my energy while people were literally tumbling in four inch heels. And so I think that was, I think that was a year before I auditioned for you. And after I booked the gig, I was terrified because I had no actual mime training. So I found myself a mime coach who I worked with one-on-one and he became a very dear friend and collaborator, and I love mime. It's informed my movement coaching, possibly yeah. more than my dance training, actually. So I, yeah, I became a mime, and then your audition came up, and I was like, "Ooh, I have a feeling Brian would respond well to." <laughs> I, I my my mime's character was named Mimi M I M E, which is funny, um, and Mimi, I, that's who I went to the audition as. And yeah, you didn't I know. I didn't know story. you didn't have a creative. But when you show up with something, it's it's very possible that your idea is as good as theirs or maybe better, but it's more possible that they don't have one yet. They're waiting to see yeah. it. And then they go, ooh, that. We had, I had done the stage design and I knew that we were having different vignettes and rooms with different people in them. We mm-hmm. had like the glow in the dark room mm-hmm. that was Asian inspiration. We had the mechanic room. We had the oh blonde vixen. But we knew that there were just some other characters that were going to be stylized. And I think that the four of you were uh-huh. supposed to be the urban look. There were the two girls it. that were like yep. round the way girl. And it was actually, I think, four. And then when we found the mime look, it oh ended God. up being two Complete. and two. Yeah. So, Oh, my God. Quote, thank you. Unquote urban cracks me. urban yes i mean Up we have to cover down. our bases here we have to cover all of our bases so that we don't get canceled oh my um, goodness uh well thank you for that thank you i appreciate that um how about as a dancer do you recall any like i mean oh yeah i mean i'm sure that well, i mean of course yes one of them was for uh madonna who is my ultimate no, t- and notorious icon. for like dramatic auditions. Yes. And um, it was for her American Life video. And I had long hair, long curly hair at the time. And I was killing it. I knew I was killing it. I was like, this is my moment. I'm finally going to get to work for my idol. 
And uh, she stops everything and she said, Brian, and I nearly died that she said my name, A. Um, she said, will you shave your head? And mm. I was like, um, my hair is my trademark. <laughs> and she just looked at me like she wanted to kill me. And she said, does someone have a hair tie? <laughs> And wow. someone handed me one and I pulled my hair back into a ponytail and she was like, much better. And then Whoa. that was it. And then the battle uh, of the egos though. Then I got, then I got cut oh. and I did not book the job and I was devastated. So that's one audition story. Looking back in hindsight, um, my hair was definitely my trademark and I was booking nonstop because of it. So I was like, I am not ready to rebrand <laughs> right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. um, I had just shot an iPod campaign, like the silhouette ones. Oh, yeah. And my hair was like all bouncy and I was great in silhouette and I was great live. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, this is not something I'm willing to do. Should I have? Yes. Again, looking back now, I never had the opportunity to work with my idol so I would have loved to have had that opportunity and tick it off the bucket list mm -hmm. um, because I'm going on a thousand and she's going on a million and we still have not worked together. Wow. So there's that part. There's that so, part. Yeah. So that's one audition. My other favorite audition um, story, it, what's funny is none of them are good. <laughs> none of them are like, yay, everyone cheers. <laughs> they're both, they're both devastating. Yeah. They're pretty devastating. Well, those, I think Madonna. those are the ones you really remember. Like, I think yeah. that those leave a mark. They do. And of course it was Madonna again. And it's the only time I've ever fully blacked out at an audition. Like can't remember any choreography. And it was Alex Magno's choreography for Drowned mm -hmm. World Tour. Mm -hmm. And we were doing all this martial arts stuff and you had to be vocal with it. Mm -hmm. Hoo, ha! Like all of these arranged vocals within yes. the choreography. And yes. I just, I was never a dancer who liked to use my voice. As a choreographer, yes, I'm, I'm very vocal, but when I'm dancing, I, I, not that one. I, I, mm -hmm. I am now. But um, it threw me yeah. and I got out there. I knew I was going to kill the choreography and I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm at the front of a pyramid. There are three oh, of us and yes. it starts and I'm about an eight count in and my mind just left. And that's not my style. I'm the, the one at auditions who never has problem remembering any choreography. I can remember anything and I never, I pick it up fast so yeah. I was mortified. Then the dancers behind me got off oh. because I got off. So oh, we're all like, just kind of like... standing there oh, looking no. at each other. It was horrific. And they stopped the music and they said, please step to the side. We'll have you dance again in a bit. 
oh. mortified. So that was, I think, my worst. And then we came out and we did it and we did great. But oh. it scarred me. And I always make a point at auditions to tell people it's uh-huh. okay. You don't have to have the choreography right today. I'm yeah. not going to judge you if you make little mistakes. I can tell if you can dance. All of these mm-hmm. things. Of course, I'm looking for people who can pick up quick. And if we're at a callback and you've learned this yesterday, I expect it to yeah. be better today. But yeah. to get out of your head, um, because I know what it's like to be in your head. Yeah, you're trying to <laughs> you're trying to place. keep them from the full blackout moment. It's dangerous and scary and. Um, if you've ever been in a full blackout mode, it's not oh somewhere God. you want to be. I blacked out on Oprah. Perform I blacked out you. on Oprah. Janet. Oh. <laughs> oh God. I cannot oh wait to find this God. video. I'm putting it in the show it's, notes. Oh, you, I mean, when you see, it's like on the breakdown of So Excited, and okay. I'm on the right, I'm on camera right, and it's literally a millisecond. I go into one step, yeah. like it's everything's an and counts because it's guilt all to allow. Yes, please. I go into this, an and count early. I didn't go up with my arm before it went out and I got there and I held an and count and then I got back in and in, in reality, it felt like 30 minutes of terror and I'm staring at Jermaine Dupree who's sitting right in front of me in the front row because they were dating at the time and it was one of the absolute worst, but nowhere near the length of blackout from Madonna. But oh, it happens. Brian. I don't know why it happens, but it's happened to me twice and I'll never yeah. forget. Yeah. I you live know to tell. I, I love that you are telling this story because, man, I wish I wish we could dial a friend. I wish we could call Tony Tessa right now. Actually, we can. <laughs> uh, I might. Um, but what I wanted to say uh, was during the – like. When I uh, introduced the episode, I said, like, you were a key figure in my transition phase. I met you when I was still dancing at Michelle Adamer Dance Academy, and you, um, like, brought several of us Colorado types under your wing. Tony was one of them. And when, whenever your conventions would come through town or whenever you'd come set choreography, we would help you out. You would invite us on stage. You would ask us to dance at the end. And as soon as cameras came out to film, which was way more of a big deal then because it was rare, like people didn't have cameras everywhere. So um, Testa and I would freaking choke. We were both choke daddies. And uh, Misha was fine. Randy was fine. Randy thrived. And Testa and I, I remember one day, like chatting with him and being like, what is that dude? Like, what is it? And I remember asking him like, what do you feel? Do you feel the moment before? And I remember me being like, oh, I can tell that I'm about to lose it. I can almost catch it, but but like, and then it's gone. And I think it's, it's simply, it's the thinking, it's the thoughts, the thinking that I don't have it. And then you don't, as soon as you think that thought I'm about to lose it, you lose it. Um, Yeah. And I do that to people. I, um, it's not on purpose, (laughs) but I am that person. I'm the person that trains people very hard. And it's that high expectation that they put on themselves to please. That is what makes them work so hard and makes them Mm -hmm. grow so much, but is also what stands in their way. So it's that double-edged sword. Um, and I'm fine being that person because I think that I get people ready 
in their careers to be able to handle anything that comes their way. Including tremendous pressure. And cameras. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Anything um, and everything. Any, and truly, reversing anything and everything. the entire choreography in yes. two seconds. <laughs> yes. Which I now really thrive at after teaching on convention for 10 plus years. It's actually yep. hard for me to keep, it's hard for me to know which way the original way was. I don't know if it was right or wrong. Welcome left, to book. my world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you try That's to do it and you get down on the floor and do it with them and you reverse and you do it wrong. 20% of the steps. <laughs> And you that's look like the world. fool who doesn't know what you're doing. That is where yep, we freaking are. That's me. That's my name. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, I cannot thank you enough for shining your uh, light of experience and, and wisdom and enthusiasm and also stories on this on this subject. I would love to keep talking to you about all the things. I'm especially curious about what your work world looks like right now. You live in Arizona. You're constantly traveling. What are you up to? What's lighting you up right now? Um, I don't even know what I'm up to today. Um, I have been working and traveling basically every week since I moved here, which was nine months ago. And Mm. I moved on a COVID whim. I had so much free time. I kept coming here and visiting my family and I was mm-hmm. like, this could be really fun. I can just live there and I can work wherever I want. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's what and COVID taught I us. I mean, it, it taught us that we could do anything from the yes. screen and be present in multiple places. Except in one day. for be on set and in rehearsal. <laughs> that part. So then uh, um, when I got here, I had to feel what the reality of working in LA, but living here was. And Mm -hmm. I have felt that. And some projects hire me as a local, so I have to figure it out. And then others Mm -hmm. fly me in and put me up. So I didn't even think that was going to be a possibility um, (laughs) being brought in as a non-local, but I manifested it and it's been happening a lot. And um, I am adjusting. (laughs) I am Mm. adjusting to it. But I will say, living out of a hotel or staying at people's places is not my favorite thing, mm-hmm. but coming home to this home that I've built here makes up for everything. And um, separating myself from the anxiety that I feel when I'm in Los Angeles that I didn't know I felt, but I was living in for 30 years. Right. You thought um, it was normal. You thought that was just the I, vibration of the world. Turns Exactly. Out. It turns out it's not. And it turns out that I don't have to have my world revolve around my career, that I can exist as me, the person, and not me, the artist. And that has been the biggest realization of life. Um, But it's very exhausting traveling so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's fun. I feel like I have a a renewed sense of self and it has jump started something new. So I don't feel like I'm on a hamster wheel, which I definitely felt like for a good 15 years. Um, So I'm off that hamster wheel now and I'm taking projects that I want to take because they appeal to me. And Mm -hmm. outside of that, I am a teacher for life. It is the one thing that I love. I love it more than, industry. I love it more than any gig you could ever give me because I'm in control of it and it helps 
people. Yes. It's it's not a, a a profitable gig. It's just it's not something that's a transactional thing like the mm-hmm. industry is. You know, they pay me to choreograph a music video. I do the music video. The music video is then judged by millions, and then it's up for an award or it's not up for an award, and then it loses or it gets trashed and turns into dust, or it is <laughs> world renowned for decades. There's just a lot of pressure. But the transaction is the same. At least, but at the transaction point. is the same, and my teaching, I get to do what my heart tells me when the music is on. No one can dictate that but me. I step into mm-hmm. a room. I give authentically what I want to give. The students receive it, and they grow in the process. And mm-hmm. there are many thanks on the tail end, mm-hmm. and I'm eternally proud of those experiences. So, mm-hmm. and of course it's transactional in regards to money. Um, but I don't feel dirty for taking the money because <laughs> I know that it, they're benefiting from it. Um, so no, yeah, back I to just being back to being it. a salesperson. When you know that the thing that you have to give is valuable, you don't feel bad accepting money for it. You're like, absolutely and, not. And not to say that commercial work, doesn't have value, but it is very hard to quantify uh, on a day rate type of schedule. When you go in to teach, for example, you get an hourly rate. And in that hour, you have an immediate feedback loop about whether or not what you did was valuable versus out in the commercial world. It crosses the desk of um, a VFX person and a lighting person or uh, a colorist, I mean, and it and the director and the editor. It goes through so many filters. When you're teaching in a room, there's no filter. You are the source. You funnel your information directly to the the hungry young minds of dancelings, and you get yeah. to see immediately whether that worked or not, and you can correct immediately. I love, yeah. like teaching something one way and seeing it not work and then getting creative about, okay, how could, how could I explain that differently? And then finding the way that does work. I think teaching is, you have to be so insanely creative to be very good yes. at it. Um, that's why and you to, are. <laughs> to hold your room, to engage with people, to be inspirational and still command the room and have their respect. Um, there's just so much. And also to have them open up their shell and be vulnerable and trust you. There's just so much that goes into it. And um, it's forever and will forever be my favorite part of this dance world that we're in. I love that. And I'm, I am in agreement. We are in agreement on so many things, my friend. Of course we are. Um, well, I remember, and this was a, a very career-shaping moment for me, while I was still at Michelle Latimer's, my senior year, you choreographed um, Aaron Carter's world tour, and you yes. hired Tony Testa and Misha Gabriel, who is Misha Hamilton, and Randy Kemper, and Kaylee Kelman, who was also yes. white and curly-headed brunette girl. And I yes. remember being absolutely crushed and simultaneously knowing like finding a crazy sense of pride that I was like oh my god this is what I want to do I wouldn't care this much 
Like I wouldn't, this wouldn't phase me if this wasn't absolutely what I wanted to do. And I was like, I was 16. I don't think I really fully knew, like I knew like people made it look really cool to move to LA. And, and I, you know, I think I, I think I was saying, I want to be a dancer. I want to be a dancer, but I think I was still entertaining. Maybe I could try to go to school. I loved school. Like I really, I enjoy learning, <laughs> hence the podcast. But I, <laughs> that moment was hugely defining for me because it showed me how bad I wanted it. And my mom also was terrified. And P.S. She's in the room. She's in the next room over. She came to visit. We're going to see Moulin Rouge tonight. Oh, I um, love that. I know, but she was. She took it as like, oh, she's not gonna. She's not gonna work. Like. Dana's not, Dana can't hang. No way. She, oh, totally. She did, did she not, know the backstory? No. What's did the backstory? Did you know the backstory? I don't well, think so. Kaylee, Kaylee was my original baby from Arizona, from my studio. Right. So she was like, she assisted me. So oh, she she's was. Your, she's your ace. The bar above all of my Denver's. Like, cause when Work. I met all of you, I had already closed my studio in Arizona and mm. I attached, I latched on to Michelle's studio. It, it yeah. felt to me like it was my home away from home. studio like because step, I didn't have a studio anymore. Uh-huh. It took the place of I needed a home studio. Um, cool. But Kaylee was my one who was, I think, the same age or maybe a year younger. Um, yeah, I think she was 15 and they were 16 or that sounds about 14 right. or something. Um, but and yeah, when she's... I had the opportunity... She yeah, doesn't even dance her. anymore. Of course. And I know this because I had dinner with her like two weeks ago no in, in way. Arizona. Yes. So No way. <laughs> way. So when I tell you like the that moment of like heartbreak lasted yeah. about this long, like one inch long before it was replaced with like, oh my God, I care so much. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be really good at this. I have to wow. do this. Here I go. Um, and then Testa and I were at NYCDA Nationals, which was in Phoenix this year. And we we always try to sneak away and have some, like, you know, homie time, even though Nationals mm-hmm. is insane. And he was like, hey, do you mind if I have a friend join? I know, you know, we, we got to catch up, but do you mind if I have an old friend join? I was like, yeah, of course, too. And he goes, Kaylee Kilman. And I was like, oh, 100% yes. Um, it has I to, hooked, full circle. It has to, f- super full circle. I hooked her up with tickets to come see Justin um, when we were in like Israel pretty yeah, sure she was living yeah. in Israel yeah yeah um and so yeah she and I have have grown and become friends I've always admired her dancing and she was fabulous but yeah that was one of those like do or die moments where I could have wow. crumbled up and just figured that everyone else is better than me so I should stop but I didn't I was like oh I care so much I gotta go I, I gotta that. do it yeah, and it's that's so crazy because I never even knew that was a thing that you felt any sort of way. Right. Well, I certainly didn't happened. tell you. <laughs> I was certainly wait, not about to be you... 16, like calling you and being like, Brian, just so you know. <laughs> Did I you think... come to LA that day for Brittany? When, yes, uh, Hotel Onyx. See? And yes. I mean, that wasn't a. It was terrible. That wasn't even a paying gig. I no, was just how, like, I need gift? some bodies for the screen content. And it yep. was this big old sexy scene. And it was like you and Chelsea. Yep. Yep. And I can't even remember 17, who else was there. Maybe 17 years old. 
but that was a perfect like that went on my resume yeah. as and and helped me build you know that i mean if if you hire me it shows that i'm not a buffoon or a bassoon <laughs> i almost said bassoon <laughs> Um, I mean, it, don't be that, soon. <laughs> those those early moments, and even the training, you really are something else when it comes to training people. I'm so grateful for it. You helped me oh, become a person you. who picks up fast, who stays in the game, who gets like off the bench and does many many moves per count. Um, I have definitely slowed down on the on the moves per count. I call them NPCs, moves per count. <laughs> NPCs. Um, I do too I try many. To, I try to really spread that out now. It's like <laughs> you know, like three gestures in one eight count. Take your time. Very gay. <laughs> Take your hooks time. Very gay. Oh, hooks. totally. Like, yes, I'm going to stay for this whole two eights right now, and you're going to love me. <laughs> yeah, you're going to just. I'm just yeah. going to let this burn onto your eyelids. Which I appreciate. Just, you have to be really damn good that. to hold and to captivate for that long. So it's the opposite yeah. art. Like mm -hmm. they're two different arts and they're both equally so important. Whoa. Yes. Let it be known, everybody. Go practice moving fast and go, go practice being in charge of your NPCs. Really slow One down. One is not really better than the out. other. No, I'm no. No, both good. <laughs> um, okay. So I do the podcast in my second bedroom at my house. And because of noise, I turn the AC off. And I always know when it's time to go because I'm in a full sweat right now. Schwitzing. Yeah. Yep. I'm schwitzing. It's time to go. Thank you so, so much for being this. here and for, Thank you for uh, having me. For sharing. You're wonderful. I love you. Love you so much. Bye. Mwah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
Justin Bieber gig. Those aren't endings at all. Those are scenes. They are little tiny blips in the in the in the long film that is our life. And as long as we keep going, so will these stories. And what feels like a bitter end, like me not booking, might turn into a podcast, a very sentimental moment, a a, a touching scene 20 years later. Um, so keep showing up to the work. Keep showing up to the movie of your life. And remember that it is all good for the plot, my friends. All good for the plot. The ups and the downs make for excellent stories. Uh, that is what I have got for you today, my friend. I hope that you got as much out of this episode as I did. And if you are moved, please do leave a review and a rating. It helps the podcast so, so, so much. It helps other people find it. Yes, it does help me feel moved because I like hearing from you. Uh, I Also, I'm here for like all kinds of feedback. If you think there's something we could be doing better, holler. Oh, and you know what else I would love to hear? Your outstanding audition moments. So send us a DM on Instagram or tag us in a story. We are at Words That Move Me Podcast. All spelled out, no spaces. Yeah, I, I, I love being in touch. I love not talking in a vacuum, uh, but having that conversation. So please do reach out. Um, that's all I got. Get out there into the world. Keep it very, very funky. And I will talk to you soon. Bye. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Brie Reitz. And big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. Also, massive thanks to you, the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com if you're curious about all the things that I do that are not Words That Move Me related. <laughs> all right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>